Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible in a Year podcast. I'm your host, Jay Smith. With me today, Jimmy Doyle and Travis Bruno. We are in chapter five of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, If you are new, if this is the first one you picked up on, somebody sent this to you, whatever it is that you may have stumbled upon this, uh, if you haven't done so, we just encourage you to go backward. And if you go backward, you can look at an intro podcast, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and chapter four. Uh, But today is chapter five. And so uh, one of the things that is important is that we just want to direct you to read-scripture.com. In there is a space where you can engage with others as we read through the Gospels in 2022. So uh, that is what I want you to know. So read along with us because we believe that Scripture is intended to be read in community. And so join there, be a part of the forum. It's a great thing to do as we walk through Jesus's story in the Gospels. And so today is chapter five. uh, And as I mentioned, Travis and Jimmy. And so we're just going to talk a little bit about what we see in chapter five. And in chapter five, there's really three primary stories. The first one is the story of the legion of demons. And and we'll walk a little bit more intentionally into that. And then you have uh, a sandwich. Mark does sometimes this sandwich technique. And I couldn't really tell you, and, and we'll give some space maybe later on for this as well, is is why Mark would utilize this kind of rhetorical technique. But you have the story of Jairus's daughter, uh, or Jairus's daughter, who's a leader of a synagogue who dies, and Jesus heals her. And so you have kind of the it being brought to Jesus's attention. And then you have in between the two kind of sides of, of his story is this story of the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years uh, and, and Jesus, her being healed, her faith healing her by, by touching Jesus. And so it's a really powerful chapter. Um, and so let's get into chapter five, uh, five verse one. They, this is the disciples and Jesus. They came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes, and when he stepped off of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with the chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains were wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of this man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send him to the country. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So it gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. So that is the opening story of chapter 5. Uh, Jimmy, I want to give you some space to just kind of talk about the geography of the Gerasenes, uh, where this is, why this place matters. If you're looking at a hillside over the sea, we're talking more than likely the Sea of, sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee. Um, but maybe talk a little bit more about the geography of this area that they're emphasizing here. We're talking about Jesus going from Capernaum area on the north end of the Sea of Galilee to the west side or the east side, sorry, of the Sea of Galilee. And um, that's where um, there's some issues. So Matthew and Luke and Mark and, uh, and several of the manuscripts of these texts don't have the same location names. 
So if you look in Mark here, it's the Gerasenes. If you look in Matthew, it's the Gadarenes. And then in some manuscripts, there's another location name. So there's a question about where this took place. Uh, there were some, some cities called the Decapolis cities. And one of them um, was um, the area of Jerash, <clears throat> one of these 10 cities. But the thing is, it's like, it's like 30 miles south of the Sea of Galilee. It's not right on the bank. So there's a question that scholars have. What place did Jesus actually go to when this took place? And the manuscript tradition is kind of showing that even the early Christians were trying to kind of work out where this took place. So on some level, I would say it doesn't matter. <clears throat> They're on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, and there, is, there are people living there. And he runs into this man who is uh, afflicted by myriads of demons, a legion of demons, unclean spirits. Um, <clears throat> most, I think it's m most likely there is a, a Greco-Roman city. Uh, the, the modern name of it is Umkais. It's in the northwestern corner of Jordan. It's right at the corner of Syria, Jordan, and where the Sea of Galilee in modern-day Israel comes to, the, the bottom of the Golan Heights. Uh, beautiful ancient ruins are there in Jordan, and it overlooks the Sea of Galilee. It's much closer, and it was probably the region surrounding that, and that would be Gadara, ancient Gadara. It's Umkais today. Uh, that's probably the region that it was, and that's probably why uh, the other Gospels kind of, some of the manuscripts kind of correct that. Uh, and it's important, I, when we're reading these scriptures, uh, these are ancient texts, and they were handed down, and they were written by hand, and they're telling real stories. And I think sometimes we minimize that there are some difficulties in that transmission, uh, we think it's all or nothing. And so there are people who are skeptics who would be like, well, you can't trust anything that was written. And the thing is, is if you can't trust that, you can't trust any ancient thing that was written before the printing press. And we don't approach anything in history that way. Um, there, are, there are just some issues. And this is one of those places where there is an issue. But the overall story is kind of the same in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So, so one of the questions or one of the things that I kind of discovered is this is a, a Gentile area. Um, and, and so maybe speak a little bit. How is this different from where Jesus's home base would have been, the Capernaum, north of Galilee area? This is not it's really not a dramatic distance between the two. Um, but but how, is there a is there like a border? What changes as you head a little bit more to the east there? So. <clears throat> If we go back into the Old Testament period, uh, in 722 B.C., so a long time before Jesus, there's an empire called the Assyrians that basically are in the region where we would say modern-day Syria and northern Iraq, southern Turkey. They conquered what was called the northern kingdom of Israel. So if you've ever heard of the lost tribes of Israel, the ten lost tribes, Israel basically has a, a breaking apart as a, as a nation after Solomon is king. His son Rehoboam is not a very good king. And they break into two empires, two kingdoms. Uh, one is the southern kingdom of Judah, which included Benjamin. And the other are the other northern tribes of Israel. And they both had Levites living in both places. So the Levites are there too. Um, the Assyrians destroy and take into captivity and exile the northern kingdom in 722. And they replace those people with non-Jewish people. And so if you think about and this is quoted in the New Testament, Galilee of the Gentiles. Uh, all, the, all the stuff north of Jerusalem from 722 on is taken over by non-Jewish people. 
and never it never becomes Jewish again until after 150 BC when a group of people called the Hasmoneans, the, the descendants of the, of the Maccabees, they forcefully convert a lot of people in the Galilee region back into, um, and all the way up to Damascus actually, back into to being Jewish, or not even back into, they just force some Gentiles to become Jewish. Uh, and there's kind of a read, uh, re-Judaizing that area. So there are Jews going into that area who have lived in that area that are uh, super adherents to their faith. As a matter of fact, almost all of the rebellions against Rome in the, in the New Testament period and, and later, <clears throat> um, all of them, <laughs> most of them take place, they start in Galilee. Like there's a real, we're going to get back to being Jewish thing in the Galilee. But it's a mix. So Galilee was, Jesus grew up three miles, three to four miles away from a town called Sepphoris, which has this mixed history. It's a thoroughly Greco-Roman town by the time Jesus was a teenager because it had been destroyed and rebuilt as a Greco-Roman town. Uh, so there, there's a lot of interaction between Jewish culture and non-Jewish culture, not just east of the Galilee, but even in the Galilee area. So uh, it might surprise people to know that like um, <clears throat> King Herod built this big, huge temple in Jesus' day, magnificent structure, Josephus would be like, it's one of the wonders of the world. He also built a bunch of temples to other people. Like, so there's Caesarea Philippi, which is in honor of Caesar Augustus. And then there's the town of Caesarea Maritima, where there was a temple, and Caesar Augustus was worshipped in a temple that was built by King Herod. So it's, and that's not far away from where Jesus grew up too. So all that to be said, we're not talking about like just a Jewish area. It's a mix of Jews and, and non-Jewish people living close to each other. That's a, a great insight. So one of the things that that I think is important is as people may engage the scripture, I think one of the most important tools you have is to ask good questions and to not really shy away from any questions. So even something as simple as like, well, what does legion mean? Because that can always be the start of something that would lead you toward, you know, doing some th- that exegetical work where you're, and by exegetical, I mean, just kind of really digging into the text just for the text itself. Uh, and so using commentaries and we used, we, we gave some examples of those um, last week on areas you can get some free or dramatically, uh, I mean, pretty inexpensive uh resources through Bible gateway and different things like that. And so as we look at this, as you look at these first 13 verses of chapter five, Travis, like uh, as you read over it, what are some questions that you think are natural for somebody to ask his response to the scene that Jesus has with the, uh, uh, the possessed, the legion, the demon, the demons inside this guy. I mean, the first one is probably the most obvious, at least to me is, why did he allow the demons what they asked? Like they asked, let us go into the pigs. And then he says, okay, you can do that. And then they go and that essentially destroys all of the pigs. They destroy themselves. And um, like, no, and knowing in probably this culture, I guess, assuming like those weren't just pets. Those weren't um, just a few things that they had out back. Like it was a lot of pigs and it was probably worth a lot of money. And so just thinking of like the, the financial damage that that caused and just surprised that like J- Jesus seems to be sort of nonchalant, at least in my mind when I'm picturing this, he's like, 
gave them permission and then they did that and then they ran off the cliff. So why why did he let that happen? And maybe it doesn't matter. But Yeah, I mean I don't know. I mean I I I do understand what I agree with what you're saying. I think it's maybe one of the reasons that they after this takes place. So after this takes place, the, the pigs go into the lake and they drown. And then the people come out to see this guy he, and he's finally got it all back together. And instead of celebrating that, they ask Jesus to leave. Well, I mean, they just he just cost them tons of money. You know, I, I think that Jesus, from a Jewish perspective, you know, if you're reading this story and you're a first century <laughs> Jewish person, these pigs represent Gentile uh, invasion into your space and they represent uncleanness. And uncleanness is the reason why God has not returned to his people and let them have their own land since that exile of Judah in 587. And so, uh, you know, sending the unclean pigs to die in the lake with the unclean spirits, the spirits of uncleanness, I think that makes sense in a Jewish narrative. But it certainly is very frustrating to the Gentiles who lost all of their property in this process. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as soon as you said that, it clicked, like, what the sort of the meaning of pigs were in their culture, like, having to kind of, trying to remind myself of those kinds of things. So after that scene, one of the verses I highlighted from that passage is verse 19, but Jesus refused and said to go to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And one of the things that changes in this story, and this is just one of my questions, is why does Jesus all of a sudden allow for this healed person uh, to go and tell Jesus' story, right? Like if you remember, as we've done Gospel of Mark here, is is there's this messianic secret that's a part of Mark's gospel. Uh, yet in this moment, um, Jesus, this guy's trying to follow him. And this guy says, go back and tell the people in your life uh, what the Lord has done for you and what mercy has shown you. So why in the shift on that? I think, and you know, this was me kind of reading over it over again and trying to figure it out and think. And we, I kind of, you guys talked about it earlier, like that this was not a primarily or exclusively Jewish area. And so um, one of the things that I kept in mind as I was reading through this chapter, because he um, responds differently um, later to a miracle and uh is it does it have to do with like the the people in this area and specifically the man that was healed probably was not a jewish person and so to me that goes kind of to the theme that we've been talking about with the messianic secret and the upside downness of things and um the people that are the chosen ones the jews like the favored people of god seem to not get it and the people that we don't expect or think that don't deserve it um, do. And this isn't about getting it. This is about sharing it. And so maybe that's a different thing. But um, that was just kind of what I was wondering about in this moment where because this isn't a Jewish person that is healed um, and experiences this miracle, um, Jesus does want him to go back to the Decapolis, which is the area that is also not exclusively Jewish and tell the story of what God has done. Yeah, I think that's a, I mean, I, here's the thing. There is no answer that we can can pinpoint. And so it's all trying to, uh, I I think it's all trying to to make sense of Mark and and the story he's telling. And I think you did a good job there of looking for those interpretations. Like Jesus, 
it's strange who he tells to not say something and who he says to say something, who understands who Jesus is and who doesn't. Uh, this guy wants to go and be a disciple. I think you're right. I think it's likely that the, the image that Mark may have been painting here is that this guy's not a Jewish person. And so maybe this was like Jesus is sending this guy out to be one of the first uh, sort of uh, message bearers to his own people about what's going on. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's as a good a guess as any that I've read in any commentary, Travis. Wow. Any other kind of closing thoughts on this section, Trav? I'm ready to see how it fits in and the rest of it, I guess. Man, that feels like a good place to stop. So let's pause and uh, just be able to kind of create some space for people to process what was just said. And uh, we're going to come back uh, with another podcast just to help kind of broaden a little bit more about what God is telling us about the person of Jesus, the kingdom of God in chapter five.